You and me, we're both just rats in a cage. Come on, let's go find out what I'm talking about. All right, everybody. I got a lot of requests to do this one and redo this one and do it again in short form. So let's uh, let's go here and take a look. This is episode 46, by the way. This is video upload number 1,000 in my career. So, yay. Uh, rats in a cage, update number one. Let's go take a look at what this means. So it works like this. Look, if you put a rat in a cage, you just get a, a lonely rat. That's what we have over there. It's just a lonely rat. Now, what happens if we give it no means of escape... And suddenly we're shocking it. You know, we're evil researchers with like the Milgram experiments. We got the white coat. Hey, this is in the name of science, right? We don't care. No morals. Just going to shock this. Well, if you shock one rat, it gets very unhappy. It'll curl up in a ball, but nothing really happens to it except it gets really unhappy. The problem in this story comes when we put two rats in that same cage. Again, it's a cage. There's no means of escape. The floor is electrified. Now they're getting shocked. But now each of these rats has somebody to blame for their pain and their misery. Each other. And this is where the trouble begins, because now these rats are going to begin fighting, and if you shock them long enough, they may even fight to the death. Sound extreme? Sound like a crazy experiment? Well, it is, and these experiments have been run for a very, very long time. These experiments go back 60-plus years at this point in time. We have uh, up top this one, Journal of Experimental Analysis of Behavior. From 1972, shock-induced aggression is a function of prior experience with avoidance, fighting, or unavoidable shock. Let's look at the next one. Persistence of shock-induced aggression. This comes to us from 1964. So this is a very well-studied phenomenon. In fact, um, it goes back a really long ways. Lots and lots of studies has been done in rats, dogs, monkeys, humans. And I'll tell you about that in just a second, because I think experiments are being run on us at this point in time. So this is the kind of diagram you find in one of these you know, awesome things. They just show you how they put a couple of rats in a cage and they can't escape. There's a little schematic representation. But the problem, the, the situation is this. When an animal becomes stressed and it has no means of assessing what the stress is or where it's coming from, or more importantly, how to make it stop, it needs a displacement for that aggression, for the shock, for the rage, for, for whatever it's feeling. It needs a displacement for the behavior. So it turns out if you take a social creature and you make it very unhappy, it will fight with other members of its species, almost preferentially. I mean, if you take a dog and make it super unhappy and you put it in a room full of other animals, it'll probably fight the other dog in the room. You know, it's just kind of how we're all wired. All right. <clears throat> so, I mean, just uh, there's just a, a quick... Just it's a movie, but it's no no sound. Let me just play this here. So this is just a, a quick search. You can see target behavior, traumatic stress, PDF punishment of shock induced aggression, uh, facilitated shock induced aggression, extinction induced aggression in laboratory rats, on and on and on. Different types of compounds and their effect on this morphine target behaviors, uh, on and on. So there are just a lot of studies about this. Look, lithium, uh, effect of extremely low frequency magnetic fields, everything you can think of, this has been really well studied because there are people obviously in the military, in the CIA, in psychology, in um, human behaviorists. They're, they're trying to understand, like if you could figure out why species or animals either become aggressive or not, and then secondarily, if they are going to become aggressive, 
how to control that so that the aggression goes and flows in the direction you would want it to go. You can see how the military might be pretty exceptionally interested in that, among others. So, <clears throat> one interesting finding here. Um, let me move this over a tiny bit in case you can't see that there. Uh, move this down too. We'll just move all this down here. There, now we can see the whole thing. Uh, one interesting finding, the more helpless the victims, the more violent the attack. This is a article that comes from 1976, The Influence of Victim, of the Victim on Shock-Induced Aggression in Rats. Uh, Michael T. Heinen did this particular study. says here, uh, in two studies, they did a lot of rats, hundreds of them. They were receiving different levels of shocks. Um, in yellow, quote, frequency of aggression was directly related to the level of aggressor shock intensity in experiment two. Also, attack by 0.8 milliamp aggressors against supine targets was inversely related to the level of target shock intensity. So the, the attack by these aggressors inversely related to the level of target shock intensity. The low level of attack against upright targets was interpreted in terms of threat display. So the so if, if they, they took these rats and they would have them pinned upwards, so they looked threatening and large, and then the other rats, even though they were shocked and unhappy, wanted to attack something. If they saw an upright rat, they'd be like, mm, maybe not. But as soon as they saw a helpless rat that was laid down and tied down, now the attacks would really get going. Um, because, guess what? Rats are a lot like humans. Given a choice between attacking a weak target or a stronger target, they attack the weak target. So that's kind of an interesting finding. And then think about this one, especially in terms of how we're raising our children today around video games, going to elementary school via Zoom, etc. Another finding here is that the more socially isolated a rat would be, the more violent it would be. And so this is a study that came out in March 1980 the effects of social isolation on two shock-induced aggressive responses in rats. Uh, reading down there, quote, this experiment investigated the effects of social isolation during development and during adulthood on the topography of the shock-induced aggressive behavior in rats. Of rats. rats isolated during development from weaning to adulthood, so let's call those teenagers, rats isolated during development from weaning to adulthood, so young children to, but in rat terms, it's kind of like teenagers, displayed more shock-induced biting than rats housed in groups during that period. So, so rats that were properly socialized, obviously, have better social skills. They tend to do a lot less fighting, but if you were a socially isolated rat, then you would become uh, a little bit more violent. So, that's kind of interesting, and so the reason this is fascinating is because this is actually what we're doing to ourselves right now as, as a species. We are shocking ourselves. We are doing this, and I would submit to you that some people are doing this consciously, that this is being done by the nudge units that are out there operating in the United States, in Australia, in the UK. These are psychologists whose interests are to shock people or fear people to corral them into certain behaviors, right? So controlling behavior is obviously very important. Marketers love to control behavior. Corporations love to control behavior. Governments love to control behavior. Everybody thinks they want to control this thing called behavior rather than just, I don't know, talking to you like an adult and saying, here's some information. Let's have a conversation. Let me persuade you. 
Not a lot of persuading going on these days. A lot of nudging, a lot of shocking. And the shocking is designed to create a condition where the wrong people are fighting with each other. The rats, if they could suss it out, who are in this cage being shocked, would go, I think it's that guy in the white coat over there. Not you. But they don't have that context. Lacking the context, shocked species will fight. And that aggression is directly something that people who consciously are doing the shocking, knowing that would be the outcome, they are responsible for it, and they should have to answer for that. So uh, how is it that our professional educators are completely unaware of the impact of taking our young pups from weaning to adulthood and isolating them? Obviously, we've known since 1980 that social isolation is not a good thing. It leads to more violent outcomes and behaviors. Why are we doing this? What is this all about? Who would do this, particularly in the context of a disease that these children are almost completely unaffected by unless they have a comorbidity? If they do have a comorbidity, maybe something happens. But without a comorbidity, it's a zero, a big fat zero. But still, we put them through this level of torture. Why? Why? Somebody should have to answer for that, I do believe. And uh, our professional educators, you know, there are people in... uh, in middle schools and high schools and public schools all over the place, there are professional paid people earning hundreds of thousands of dollar salaries as principal, assistant principal, assistant vice regional, blah, 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 superintendents. Shouldn't they spend like 10 minutes understanding the importance of isolation on the development of the people in their charge? You'd think so. You'd think so. Well, if it was my job, if I was paid big bucks to think about that stuff, I'd think about it. At any rate... Here are the elements of what we call mass formation, which we discussed in a recent interview with Matthias Tesmet. And uh, mass formation uh, refers to the formation of a mass of humans, a bunch of them. They're no longer thinking anymore. They're operating as a mass. We see a lot of that mass formation going on today. And here are the elements of it. First, number one, people suffer from isolation and poor social bonding. That creates a lot of stress in the human animal. They look for relief from that stress. Where do I find relief? I have to belong to something because... I have nothing to ground myself in because of condition number two, the loss of reason and sense-making. Those are either short supply or completely missing. As we see currently today, it is completely missing. Why would you force children to wear masks in a school? There's no data to suggest that that's a good thing. A lot of common sense to suggest that's a bad thing. And yet... We have to pretend as if that makes sense when it really doesn't. And so that loss of sense-making, really important component of the formation, the mass formation. Third, there's free-floating anxiety. Hey, you could die at any time. There's this disease running around. Could kill you. No, really, actually, it's very age-stratified and risk-stratified by morbidities. And actually, there's a bunch of people for whom this is really not a top 10 concern, honestly, in terms of risks. Uh, But still, we have that free-floating anxiety. It's marketed to us on a daily basis. There's lots and lots of industries out there ranging from CNN to MSNBC to whatever's going on in your country marketing that fear to you on a daily basis, right? Regardless of context, which would be age and morbidity status, where there's a clear relationship in this case. Also, don't forget the impact of early treatments, which takes all of those risks and dials them down by whole orders of magnitude, at least one. And then finally, there's this rage, this this rage that's directed against other the other humans. So that rage requires us to have an other, because, you know, you can't really fight somebody who you know and love. The more you know somebody, the less likely you are to just become, you know, unhinged violent. But if you want to, 
create a situation where you get people into this mass formation. One of the things you have to do is do this othering where you make the other out of this. There are these dirty, unwashed, unvaxxed people or whatever your your current context is for the times in which you live. All right. Um, here's an example. This is a rat in a cage. Here's this uh, person, Zenny, blue check, a lot of followers on Twitter, uh, tweeted out just the other day on February 7th, I've learned, quote, I've learned, just learned, Russell Brand is an anti-vaxxer. And so I would not like to now formally withdraw any nice thing I've ever said, thought, or tweeted, or thought about tweeting about Russell Brand. Um, he can shut the fuck up about AA. Now, thank you very much. Keep that fellowship out of your anti-vax mouth. Now, this othering is pretty strong. This person's pretty angry with Russell Brand. Probably doesn't know him all that well. Actually doesn't know him at all because he's not anti-vax. He's been very clear about this. He's anti-mandate. Big difference between anti-mandate and anti-vax. But anti-vax is the pejorative term that's used to other somebody. You just say, oh, conspiracy theorist, anti-vaxxer, da-da-da. You just throw those labels out, and then that immediately takes that other person and encases them in a bubble of other. <laughs> and off they go. Like, oh, I don't anti-vaxxer. So uh, Zenny here is just caught up, rat in a cage, uh, uh, has no context, doesn't really understand what she's up to in this particular story. Or how about this one, the othering to build the anger and the rage against the other, the star, the Toronto star wrote once recently, the unvaccinated cherish their freedom to harm others. How can we ever forgive them? Well, Heather Malik, that is a really ignorant title and an even more ignorant question that you've asked. In fact, I would submit you are just a rat in a cage, you could really serve with a little extra context here to understand that the shocks you're experiencing are very real. Your responses to them are very real, but they're misdirected. The first two conditions are real and appropriate, and you should be asking awesome questions about them. But how you displaced that anger, that rage, that free-floating anxiety, those shocks, was completely misdirected. You put it against the other person in the cage. Time to find out what the cage is made of, Heather, and uh, why those shocks are coming and being administered. So this loss of social cohesion, like they're all, there's this great, incredible, very, very peaceful, very large trucker, they're calling it a trucker convoy, but really it's a lot of Canadians. I see a lot of people who don't drive trucks also up there. They have bouncy castles. They're cooking food for each other. They're taking care of each other. They're being very, very respectful. I haven't seen any examples of violence from the crowd. I've seen examples of violence against the crowd, of course. We've seen a few examples of that, where um, so-called Antifa or progressives have, have uh, driven cars into some of them, uh, very violent acts like that, but, but no violence from these people. But still, look at this. Seeker77 here on Twitter wrote, quote, though I support our right to peaceful assembly, but you can ignore everything <laughs> Everything before the butt, right? I'm appalled by the actions of some. First and foremost, the tomb of the unknown soldier is sacred. No matter what side of the border, what side your political views may be, a protest is no excuse at all. On and on and on. This person fell for two or three media clips that were put out and put over and over and over again. There was one Confederate flag, and we don't know who the gentleman was who's carrying it. There was one Nazi flag by somebody who came out and quickly disappeared after a bunch of pictures were taken. And that's it. And the Tomb of the Soldier has been very, very well cared for. The, the, the statue of Terry Fox, very, very well cared for uh, by a very respectful group of people. But this person here has bought completely into the othering, that loss of social cohesion. They need to belong to this tribe of good people who would never deface the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier because they're a good person. These other people are bad. That's the loss of social cohesion that comes when you are a rat in a cage and you have failed to properly diagnose 
where the shocks are coming from. Here, how about that free-floating anxiety? Uh, this was in response to, I, I, I put a, a video up on Twitter about this high school kid out in Washington State saying that they were going to no longer comply with the mask mandates, was rallying and leading the other students in high school saying, let's be very respectful, let's take our masks off if we're asked to put one on, let's say no thank you. If they say we have to leave school, we leave school. It was a very peaceful way of going about it. Marie Gravel wrote in, as someone with MS, I'm glad I don't have to confront kids like this, as polite as he is. They just want to kill old people with chronic diseases like me. Woo, Marie. <laughs> Back that train up real quick. They just want to kill old people with chronic diseases like me. They just want to kill old people. You sure about that? That's pretty intense. I wrote in response, quote, so sorry you've bought into the fear so deeply that you fear healthy kids. Tragic. You might ask, who sold me this abject fear? Why did I buy it? End quote. So, the, I mean, but look at the, this person I think is, it represents, is very representative of that free-floating anxiety. This person is like just living in abject fear now that younger child, kids who aren't going to wear a mask, they're doing that because they want to kill her. That's pretty profound and disturbing. So I'm very sorry, Marie, that your life and sense of well-being has been stolen to the point that you fear healthy teenagers. Think about that. Think about the tragedy of that. You fear healthy teenagers who just want to walk around without a mask. And by the way, Marie, there's no data, no data whatsoever to support the idea that whether they wear a mask or not has anything to do with your health. And by the way, I'm very sorry about this. As somebody who has MS, you are responsible now for making sure that you do what you need to do to stay healthy. And by the way, you might look into the foods that your uh, food industry is serving you, or you might look into the other environmental toxins that are pressing in on you from corporations who actively, I think, you could make a stronger case that they maybe just want to kill old people with chronic diseases like you, or maybe... Just keep you around longer so they can sell you more stuff. There are lots of things that are real risks in your life, Marie, but high school students in Washington State, probably not anywhere on top of the list of things you should really be concerned about. But again, you have the concern and you have the fear. So there it is. Uh, as well, a Syrian girl wrote in about these uh, three women who are in their 50s protesting the protesters in Ottawa, uh, said, so... Two years of lockdowns, shortages, hyperinflation, joblessness, and apartheid for those refusing to inject a Pfizer product and adopt a digital ID, but just a few days of a truck blockade and suddenly the normies can't take it. So yeah, oh my God, it's just, it's absolutely, totally intolerable when these people, how dare these people decide what they want for themselves? We prefer that the government tell us what's okay. So if the government shuts us down, that's okay. If people say that's we don't shut us down, that's not okay. If the government tells us we have to wear a mask over our, our faces and look at them wearing masks outside, that's okay. But if there's somebody's honking their horns and I don't like that, I can't possibly be bothered to put a put a earplug in. It's just on and on, right? So this is uh, fealty to the narrative is what this is called. These are people who are really invested in that narrative of fear and they're bought into it and they're trying to preserve it. But again... They're literally just rats in a cage in this particular story. And then finally, I'm not going to turn the sound on on this because it's a little disturbing, um, but what we're going to see here is uh, this 80-year-old guy, he was honking in support. Police pull him over, 
Asked for his ID. Apparently, he said something the police didn't like. Next thing you know, they're taking this 80-year-old guy to the ground, wrestling his arms behind his back. He's explaining that his arms don't, shoulders don't work that way anymore. They don't care. The police are just going to arrest him. Now, the police are, are rats in a cage in the story. The old guy's a rat in a cage. This is all rats in a cage going on here. These two groups right here, that guy at looking for freedom and those police, if they thought about it, if those police thought about it, they would actually be on the same side of the story. Now, one of the things that these people are against is the vaccine mandates. A lot of people in this trucker rally actually happen to be vaccinated, but they're against the mandates for that. The police are very vigorously enforcing the laws, which, by the way, changed by the day. They make them up on the spot. No honking. Honking's now against the law. When did honking become against the law? Well, it is now, right? So um, that's what we're seeing going on there. And oh, by the way, just for context, just for fun, Ottawa police themselves are exempt from the vaccine mandates. So yeah, it's a bit of a hot mess there right now. Again, rats in a cage. Um, So let's talk about this. The shocks are coming from all over the place. The shocks, obviously, is shocking loss of freedom, shocking that our businesses were closed down, shocking that our political leaders weren't following the Constitution, shocking that everything that you might hold near and dear in terms of constitutional rule of law, fairness, justice, appropriate levels of things, watching the governor of California go to maskless to uh, the French Laundry, a you know, very fine restaurant, while insisting that everybody else go you know, va- masked up to the park. Just crazy. One rule for them, different rules for you, all that. That's some of the shocks, but here's some more shocks. Ready? American students, they own $1.7 trillion in student loans. $1.7 trillion. And that, that's, up, that's up from $500 billion just in 2006. Here we are just like, what, 14 years later on this chart, and it's up another $1.2 trillion. It's just astonishing. Here's the really shocking part. In bankruptcy court, the only non-dischargeable debt that exists out there is student debt. I judge people by what they do, not by what they say. So if a major corporation can go belly up and shaft a bunch of pensioners and uh, other debt holders and other people who are on their creditor list, hey, that's okay. Capitalism. But you're young. You're young students. You're young. You're young. You make it a condition of entry to society that they go and get a college degree, and then they do, and they go into debt for that, and you say, yeah, you're, you can't you can't get out from under that debt. No way. If that was a bad investment, sorry. You have to pay that back. You, out of all the groups, when you stop and think about it, it's actually quite shocking. It's really unpleasantly shocking. Oh, insects. We're in the middle of an insect apocalypse. If you're my age, you know that your windshield, when you take long drives, used to get splattered with bugs, all different shapes and sizes. Now... No bugs, right? We're, we're facing an insect apocalypse. One does not simply wipe out the bottom of the food chain without consequences, but we're doing it. And we're not even having a reasonable conversation about it. In fact, the neonicotinoid pesticides are probably largely responsible for that. And we can't even have a possible conversation about that. Why? Because the makers of those neonicotinoids, Syngenta, Bayer, etc., they make a couple of billion dollars selling these things. So they make money at it. Screw the insects. Oh, man, this is going to bite us. This is going to bite us. This is shocking. If you're my age, the loss of life on this planet in my lifetime is shocking. So what do you do with that? Well, I'm not going to fight the police over it. Not their fault and not the right piece. How about this one? This is M1. Look at this. This is money. This is M1 is total money supply. That's all the currency bills and coins and it's everything in your checking accounts and it's everything in your savings accounts. That's it. M1. Look at it. 
look what that did. <laughs> look, look right from there. It went, it went from here, right, to here, here. See that? Look at this. This is insane. It's insane. <laughs> the, by the way, to get to here was our country's entire history. Like this is the crisis over there, 2008. That that gray bar over there. The, our country's entire history to get to 800 billion. We grew the money supply by over 30 percent in a single year. Look at <laughs> shocking. I'm telling you, it's shocking. Uh, and by the way, this, the inflation we're going to have, very shocking. One does not simply do this for um, no good reason, and we did it for no good reason, so whoops. Uh, how about this? The three wealthiest people in the United States now own more wealth than the bottom half of the country combined. That's pretty shocking. It's uh, it's really destabilizing. You know, as Plutarch said, the oldest and most fatal ailment of all republics is a gap between the rich and the poor. It's We shouldn't be doing this, but you know what happened? September 2019, the repo market was blowing up. The Fed starts pushing money into the market. They needed an excuse to push a lot of money into the market. Thankfully, this thing called coronavirus came along in early 2020, and then they did that. That's what they did there. That, that woo, they pushed money in, and they saved the repo market, which made the billionaires more billionaire. That's how that works. And oh, by the way, even as we added a couple of trillion dollars of wealth to the billionaires' pockets... Nothing we can do about that student loan. Jeez, that would be ah, that's tricky. Biden, like, I don't know. I don't know if we can do anything about that. That's that's hard. Where would we find the money? We'll have to think about it. We might have to raise taxes. Maybe we could do ten thousand dollars. We don't know. It's like a very it's very complicated. Oh, do we need to send five hundred tons of armaments to Ukraine? That's done, right? So, by their actions, you shall know who they are. It's shocking how our country is behaving right now. It's shocking how the world is behaving in the face of all of these things going on. And so we see rats in a cage behaviors. But don't fall for it. Don't be the one who fights the police. You and the police are not on the opposite side of the story. You're both rats in a cage. We need to understand where the shocks are coming from. We need to properly diagnose the shocks. And if we do that, we have the chance to escape the cage, the mental cage that we're in. It's really important that we do this if only for our own mental sanity, if only the shocks can still be unpleasant, but at least we know where they're coming from, that diagnosis alone is worth its weight in gold. So it's important to understand and diagnose where these shocks are coming from so that, at a minimum, you don't accidentally take it out on the wrong people. Maybe the people in your household, maybe the, maybe your friends, maybe you know people who are taking it out on you, but they're just like being a rat in a cage. They're shocked. They're legit shocked, and they can't diagnose it. And for the people who can't diagnose it or and then won't in our insist on staying willfully ignorant right we got to let them go i divide people into thirds one third of the people are going to be subject to this mass formation the psychosis are going to be crazy they're going to actually insist on their right to be a rat in a cage so i say let them you stay there you be you market fear and ignorance ingest it all you want think that healthy kids are out to kill you Go for it. Sounds like a miserable life to me, but we each get to choose. So that's on you. A third of the people already get it. They've shown up at the protests. A third of the people are just not subject to this mass formation. They're done. They've seen the story. They want to live their lives. They understand uh, that we want to, that they, we, I'm in this camp, that we want to get our lives back and we want to live meaning, lives of meaning and purpose. 
The middle third, these are the people we still need to talk to. They're wavering a little bit. They don't know which way to go yet. And so the way we attract them over is we just run a better model. As Buckminster Fuller said, you never uh, replace a system by tweaking it. You have to build a better model, and people will come. So if this group over here is living in joy, like watching the truckers with their bouncy castles and dancing and doing all this crazy stuff, right? They're looking like they're having fun. So to the extent they're doing it right because they're saying, look, we're free and having fun. These people are like, well, kids are trying to kill me because they won't wear masks. And the people in the middle can go, this looks like more fun. That's how you win, uh, by living your life and living it well and living it with joy and meaning and purpose and love. That's how we win. So that's all I have for you today. By the way, um, I'm going to be talking with my tribe back over at Peak Prosperity about something that's really actually very, very important, and it's this thing called the remnant. Who are the remnant? Well, you might want to come and find out because we're going to have an, an awesome time over there discussing that. It's a really important topic. So that's what I have for you today. Thanks so much for listening. Um, don't be a rat in a cage. And share this video widely with people you think might benefit from it. I think it's important framing. I wanted to cover it one more time with you. Glad to have done something. See you next time.